0: The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you again. My name is Jared, and I'm one of the pastors here. I I get to spend a lot of time with the students, and so it's good to be with you um, this morning. And and this is a special service for our seniors. And so this is kind of our commissioning service here at Norris Ferry. Then we want to be intentional in discipleship from the, the moment that a kid shows up in the nursery and helping parents to disciple their kids all the way until they, they get launched out and sent out. And so this is our commissioning service where we will commission at the end of this service our seniors as they depart. Now we've got a couple seniors that have already departed. They are on the beach for their senior trip and they're loving it there. And so a few of them are out of town, but uh, we've got some of them here with us still. And then we gain some, right? Right here in the middle, we gain some seniors. Y'all seniors, raise your hand come on, from out of town. They just stopped by to hang out with us, and so we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. It's, it's going to be a fun service, and y'all are probably going, why do you have a big rope, right? And so I saw this illustration one time that that impacted me, is that a lot of times if we think of life as this rope, then it's like, all right, so elementary, and then you got middle school, and you know, you, you go through life, but in reality, the best way to think about life is that, that your life on earth is this little white tip, right? Your life here on earth, the 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, 90 years, some of y'all got really good genes, and so you're going to get to the hundreds, right? But, but it's so small. It's so small. It's this little white tip here. But, but really, we were created by God to be able to spend eternity with Him. But the way that we spend eternity with Him is decided by what we believe here in this life. Where you will spend eternity is decided by particularly one major decision that you will make in this life. What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to trust him and follow him and believe his words and and lay your life down for him? Or are you going to live for yourself? And that decision is made right here. But it affects eternity. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning is is Jesus actually talks a lot about that. And one of my favorite passages in the Bible, Mark chapter 8, if you want to turn there, is, is really all about that. And so, we're going to spend some time in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 31, and so you can turn there. I love the story that happens in Mark chapter 8, and so let me give you a little recap of what's been going on. Jesus has been talking to his disciples, and really the first half of Mark is kind of answering this question of, of who is the Messiah? Who is this promised one that all the Old Testament says he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And if you hear Tracy preach, then from Genesis all the way through, then we're looking for a Messiah from the one who's going to crush the head of Satan, the son of Abraham, the son of David. And so we get to the Gospels and we find out that Jesus is this promised son of David, son of Abraham, who's been promised and he's here. God's kept his promise that he sent him. And so Mark is the first eight chapters of Mark is really proving who is the Messiah. And so we see clearly in Mark chapter eight that Jesus asks the question to Peter and he says, so who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting for. And so he says that, and there's then this little exchange that happens because Jesus says that's been given to you by God. And um, so He says that, and then he goes on into this, and so he says, you're the Christ, in verse 29, and he strictly charged them to tell that to no one, and then verse 31, it says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, and the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days he would rise again. And so he says, so there's a shift that happens. Of It's no longer who is the Messiah, but now the shift that's happened is what kind of Messiah is he? And that he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And right after this exchange, then Peter comes to him and he says uh, this plainly, as the scripture says. Look at verse 32. And it says, and Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. Peter's rebuking Jesus. Now, most of us would be like, what? Don't do that, Peter. That's never good, right? Like, don't rebuke Jesus. Jesus knows all. He wins all. Don't bet against him. Like, he wins. And Peter rebukes Jesus. And Jesus then, it says, turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I want to latch in on this. That Jesus says there's two ways to think in this life. You can either think like man or you can think like God. There's two ways to think. And and so the majority of the world is going to say, hey, live this 70 years thinking like a man. Live this 70 years, live it up. You got one life to live, don't have regrets, live it up. But there's a way to think like man and there's a way to think like God. And so. Right after this, then Jesus begins to unpack what does it mean to think like God? What does it actually mean to think like God? And so that's what I want to spend our time is, is unpacking Jesus' words right after this exchange where he says, Peter, you're not thinking like God. You're thinking like man. And so for our seniors who are about to launch out of a house and are about to chart their own territory, right? Hopefully... They make their own money, right, moms and dads? You're like, yes, please, off my paycheck, right? Hopefully they make their own money, they set their own goals, they live their own life, but there's a way in which you can live, seniors, that either lives thinking like God or thinking like man. And so I want to unpack that for us this morning. And so what we're going to look at is these four truths. I'm going to pull four truths out of this text of four truths to set your mind on the things of God. So let's read the rest of this text this morning, and then we'll pray and ask God to bless our time. Look at verse 34. It says this. And he called to him the crowd with his disciples, and he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and of the holy angels. Let's pray. God, in our time this morning, would you meet us? As we open your word and as we dive into your, your word, Lord, would you give us understanding? Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Would you give us a heart that desires the things which you desire? And God, would you give us a mind to think like you? God, I pray for these seniors that as they, they set into this new stage of life, God, would you give them a mind of Christ? That they would see the world, that they would interact in the world the way that you would, the way that you would have for them, that they would live a life of eternal value. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me unpack this first one for you. Point number one to these four truths to set your mind on the things of God. Number one is is that following Jesus requires full surrender. Following Jesus requires full surrender. Look at verse 31. or 34 again. It says, And Jesus called to him the crowd with his many disciples, and he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, this, what Jesus is asking is a little bit miss for us, because we don't have cross as a capital punishment. But to the day in which he was speaking to his disciples, for Jesus to have said to his disciples, Hey, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross, and you got to come after me. It means that you've got to lay your life down. You're as good as dead. And then you go, what? What is Jesus talking about? That if you want to follow Jesus, then you have to fully surrender your entire life. Your life is dead. It requires full surrender. To follow Jesus, you must die of your own social agenda. You must die to your own political agenda. You must die to your own spiritual agenda. That you can't live the way that you want to live because your life is dead and it's Christ who lives. Now that's a message that doesn't really rub well with our culture, right? That's a message that doesn't rub well with me and my individualism. I want to be me. I want to do me. I want to do my own stuff. And yet, Christ says, if anyone wishes to come after me, then you've got to put your life, your opinions, your desires, your way to death. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And we go, ooh, well, can I have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of me? Can I do Jesus and me? Can I, you do you? Right? Can't I be me? God created me. He created me to be an individual. He created you with passions and desires and your own flair, right? But that flair has to die and be submitted to Christ first. Otherwise, he says, you're not worthy to follow me. This is the call of what it means to be a Christian. To follow Jesus means to fully surrender to Him. There's an old country song that kind of talks about uh, the devil went down to Georgia. And he was looking for a soul to steal. And he he was way behind, right? And so he was willing to make a deal. But instead of a golden fiddle... I think the deal that he tries to make with most of us is he says, hey, I will give you pleasure without cost. You can have it. You do you. Hey, I will give you social status if you're willing to compromise. Hey, I'll give you influence if you'll cut the corners. Hey, I will give you money if you're just willing to lie. If you will make a bet with me, I'll give you whatever you want. And I think so many of us say that's a pretty good deal. Because we forget that this life's not about right here. It's not about the 70 years here, but it's it's about the eternity with God. It's the eternity that we were created for. Don't make a deal with the devil based off of such a little experience. Number two, Jesus says in verse 35 that the gospel truth that that we need to set our mind on to think on the things of God is that the gospel is a paradox. The gospel is a paradox. You gain by losing. Look Look at this in verse 35. It says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for the sake of the gospel will save it. We go, wait a minute, maybe I didn't read that right. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. What, what does this mean? It's a, it's a paradox, right? It's the gospel paradox. It seems contradictory. It seems like how do these two things fit together? But yet when we look at this and we look at it in light of what Jesus has done on the cross, is that those who wish to save their life, who go, oh, I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to gain the social status. I'm going to gain the influence. I'm going to get the money. I'm going to get the job. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to do whatever I want. And I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And that way I'm going to say I'm not dependent on anybody because I can do it on my own. And Jesus says, if you wish to save your life, you'll lose it. That if you live for yourself, if you live as your own God, if you sit on the throne of your life, then when you take your last breath, you'll lose it all. I go, whoa, whoa, Jesus. Tough message. But he says, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. If you take up your cross and die to your own life and you say, God, it's all yours. I've laid it all down. It's all yours, God. My major, my job, my future, my spouse, whatever it is, God. It's yours. He says, then you'll save it. Then you will save it. There was a guy who said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. It's all going away anyway. To gain what he cannot lose. Spoken by a guy long before he actually gave his life for a cause which he could not lose in. Jim Elliot gave his life as a missionary, highly successful man who laid his life down, who picked up his cross and said, he's no fool who lays his life down to gain eternal life, which he cannot lose. Jesus says that the gospel is a paradox. You gain it by losing. You can't keep a love of power. You can't keep success. You can't keep status. You can't keep recognition. You can't keep money. But you can keep eternal life. What will you live for? Seniors, what's going to be the driving force in your life? What will you live for? Number 3 the truth to set your mind on the things of God is Jesus unpacks here is, is number 3 that the soul is of incomparable value so take care of it look at verses 36 and 37 it says this for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life for what can a man give in return for his life Jesus asks these two questions right here right he says what profit is it if a man gains the whole world, and yet he forfeits his life, right? If you have the whole world, you couldn't buy your soul from eternity. Jesus told a little parable about a rich man and Lazarus. And many of us are familiar with this parable, and it's this rich man, he had everything he wanted, right? He had the house on the hill, he had the property, he had the people to take care of the property, so he never had to mow his grass or break his pine straw, Right? Like, if it, some of y'all own pine straw, you know what I'm talking about. He never had to do any of that. He had all the pleasures. He had all the cars. Like, he had whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, however he wanted. He had it all. And yet there was a man that sat by his gate. And the scripture says that that this man was so downcast and so distraught and so out that the dogs came and licked his wounds. I mean, just the utter picture of just repulsive that that for most of us, we see someone standing on the side of the road with a sign that says, need help, and, and we look the other way. This is the type of guy that you would, you would smell him before you saw him. And that when you did see him, you would go, oh. Yet his name was Lazarus. And yet he had nothing in this earthly world. Nothing. Nothing. And yet when Jesus tells this parable, he says, Oh, but it was Lazarus who had eternal life. And the rich man, the rich man, he went into eternal hell. And the rich man, he then said, Oh, send Lazarus to dip his finger in some water and to give me a little drink. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? and yet forfeit his soul. Seniors, if you gain the whole world in this next stage of life, and yet you lose your soul, it will profit you nothing. You see, the soul is of so much value that it can't be bought. Catch this. But yet, Christ gives it freely. You can't buy eternal life. Are you going to use God's own money to try and pay him back? Hey, I'll give you all this stuff, God. He's like, I created it in the first place out of nothing. I don't want your stuff. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, to live a perfect life, to to die a death he didn't deserve, so that that we could have eternal life freely. If we would confess our sins and, and trust in Jesus, then it says that he gives eternal life freely to all who would lay their life down, take up their cross and follow Him. It's free. It can't be bought, but yet it's given freely. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? I pray that that resonates in your mind as you set in biology 101, right? As you plan for med school and you should plan for med school and you should plan for your studies and you should study hard, but I pray that the gong that resonates in your life is that I can gain everything. And yet if Christ isn't sitting on the throne of my life, then I'll lose it all. Number four, Jesus says this. says that following Jesus requires full allegiance. Full allegiance. Look at verse 38. It says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and of the holy angels. There's a couple points that I want to draw out here is that that Jesus is coming back, right? There's a promise that he's coming back. He's going to come back and he's going to rule and reign and he's going to judge the earth. And so Jesus is coming back. And so Jesus is saying, hey, so what you do in this life right here, this 70 years, What you do in this life, if you're ashamed of me, if you say, no, I don't want Jesus, I want my stuff. No, I don't want Jesus, I want to do me. No, I don't want Jesus, I just want to be my own God. I want to be my own boss, I want to do my own thing. If you're ashamed of Jesus in this life, then he says, for all of eternity, we'll be separated. You see, that out of way on us. That Jesus requires full allegiance. Full allegiance. That in this sinful generation where, where we're so willing to betray Jesus in order for someone to like us, right? In order for someone to, to think we're cool. In order to think that we can escape consequences. Then we're so willing that Jesus' disciples, then they came back to Him and they were facing crazy persecution. And, and it's like, don't fear people who can just destroy your body. It's like, whoa. Well, that's a pretty big deal. I'm a little afraid of death, right? But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Death isn't the end. Death isn't the end. He says, "Don't fear those who can only destroy the body. He says, rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul and hell." He says, "There's there's way more to life than just what you're living right here. Don't live it for a passing pleasure. Don't live it for approval of man." Don't live it for anyone other than Christ. Jesus requires full allegiance. Remember the quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The world may say you're a fool. When you give up status, money, recognition, prestige, influence, power. The world will say, so foolish. Why? But Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful. For you were faithful with little, and I'll put you in charge of much. You were faithful in little, and now you'll be put over much. Jesus says that following him requires full allegiance. Whoever ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation Of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. You see, there's two paths in life. And there's two ways to think about life. You can either think like man and live like man. Or you can think like God and live like God would call us to. And you've got to make that decision. And so, seniors, my challenge to you is that before you step foot on your campus then you've got a decision to make. How am I going to live the next four years? College is incredible. You get so much freedom. You get so much time. It's probably the the time in your life where you'll have the most time and the most freedom and the least amount of responsibilities, right? It's incredible. Like you never get that where you get to hang out at coffee shops 24-7, right? You're like, well, I'm studying at the coffee shop, but really I'm not studying. I'm just hanging out with friends and drinking coffee, right? But you drink a ton of coffee, And you get a ton of freedom. And you've got an opportunity of what are you going to do with that freedom? How are you going to think about that freedom? How are you going to think about the responsibilities of the things that you have? That you've got a trajectory of life which you will set. And you're either going to think of it like man, which will say, get all you can and can all you get. And when you take your last breath, it's gone. Or you're going to think like God and you're going to say, God, it's all yours. I've got opinions, but they really don't matter too much unless you're in it. And so, God, I would love to do these things, but if you don't want me to, I won't. God, I would love to be this, but if you don't want me to, I won't. God, I would love to use these gifts, but if you don't want me to, I won't. I'll do whatever you want, God. It's all yours. And you know, Jesus is so incredible in that he says that those who are his, he doesn't just call them friends, but he calls them brothers and sisters. He calls them heirs according to the throne. And all the riches in the heavenly places are theirs. Oh, to gain the whole world and fourfoot all of that? Oh, that's nothing. You see, we have to live in light of eternity. We've got to set our trajectory on the things of Christ. Colossians says it this way. If you flip over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. I think that Paul summarizes this in an incredible way. Starting in verse 1, he says this. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind. Set your mind. You've got to make a decision to think of the things of God. Set your mind on the things that are above. Not on the things on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ... Who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Oh, to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul. It's a life that's wasted. Don't live a life that's wasted. The seniors, I'm going to give them a gift. It's a book by a guy named John Piper. that He wrote this book and it was impactful in my life. And and the title of it is Don't Waste Your Life. It's that you've got a life to live and you can waste it. You can go to college and be someone great and you can gain a lot of prestige and power and influence and money, but that could waste your life. Or you could go to college and decide to follow Jesus at whatever cost. And that may be the medical field, that may be international business, That may be making a lot of money. That may be having a lot of power and influence. But it may be just making disciples. It may be being a stay-at-home mom. It may be being your kid's coach. And being faithful. And I want to tell you that that's not a life wasted. That's a life of eternal value. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for just this challenging word to us all, not just for seniors that are setting this new trajectory in life, not just for these seniors who are starting this new stage and who have the the whole world in front of them and a a thousand different paths to choose and and all great options. God, I pray that we would take seriously the warning that we hear in the scripture that that to gain the whole world and yet forfeit our soul is, is a life wasted. God, we would be, would be faithful to take up our cross and follow you. To submit all of our will, all of our giftings, all of our energy to whatever it is you call us to. God, would you help us to live lives of eternal value. That we would think on the things of God rather than on the things of man. Lord, we need your help.